Just want to check, neither of you are leaving early, are you? Because <laughs> if you set something up for you to go, and then the whole congregation will follow you. But anyway, just checking that. Okay, we're continuing our series about uh, conversation with God, which is better known as prayer. prayer, which we're not ashamed of anymore. It's not a scary word. It's not a boring word. Uh, prayer is just conversation with God. So far, we've looked at why we need a conversation with God, how to develop one, why God wants a conversation with us, his invitation to come into his company, and what kind of conversations we can have. Um, and we've also... Um, was saying that you can ask anything of anyone if you have access to them. And the best thing to do is to ask out of relationship. Um, asking isn't as simple as just I want. It, it's integral to that is who you're asking is important, who is doing the asking, how you ask is important, and why you're asking is important. And then the last time I spoke, we managed to get through seven of the 12 principles of um, asking which, if you come from South London, it's asking, okay? Just for an interpretation there. We're talking about asking, right? So I'm hoping to get through the last five um, today, but you, you never know. Um, so just to summarize on the seven that we did last time, one is don't be shy, but be bold when you're asking. A second one is your prayers are powerful and effective because you are a righteous person. Jesus has made you that. Uh, the third was God has no favorites. We're all equal in his sight. The fourth was don't be vague, be specific when you ask. And the fifth one was ask. Don't just groan, complain, or be jealous or scheme by yourself. And I just want to hover on that one at, at the moment just, just to kind of say the more you talk to God and have a conversation with God the more you will ask God. All right? There's a difference between coming to God because you're in need of something and you go, I'm here to ask you about this, and a whole world of difference between having conversations all the time with God and as you're having a conversation, you become aware of things and then you ask him. So, for example, um, you know, you might be talking to him about something, about a situation at work, and you say, oh, yeah, would you please give me wisdom about that? because you're just having this conversation with him, you're talking about that. He may give you um, things, change your perspective on circumstances that you're facing in your conversation with him, so you end up asking him and talking to him differently how, than how you would have at the beginning of the conversation. Um, you might um, kind of just be talking to him and asking his opinion or his advice. You might just be telling him how your day's gone and he might just drop something into you to challenge you and you need to ask him about that. A lot of the times if we talk to God regularly and have a conversation with him, we actually end up asking him more because our conversation develops. He drops his will into our lives, his desires into our lives, his kind of the way he looks at things into our lives and therefore we speak to him and ask him differently. So you, you, you try that, because he's not an asking slot machine. He is a person we have a relationship with, and he is a person that's directing your life. So the more we have a conversation, I reckon the more we ask him. So that was point five. And then point six was um, we need to ask with the right motives. And the last one I finished off with last time was uh, seven, which is obedience is the key. And I just wanted to say... Um, with that, that walking 
the way God wants us to live is vital. It's not an option, it's vital. And I read a quote um, this week from another Christian leader who says that we have produced people who can jump high but can't walk straight. We have produced people that can jump high. Oh, believe God for this. Yeah, yeah. Get the whole church to pray. You've got this crisis. Yeah, fantastic. God answers. We come, yeah, we believe that. But they can't walk straight. I mean that their daily walk with God is not in obedience. It's not disciplined. It's not personal. So he directs your every day, every step. I think that's really important, which is why we said obedience to God is the key about asking stuff and receiving answers. So we, we want to encourage you to jump high, but we also want to encourage you every single day to walk with God, because that is better than the peaks of just jumping high periodically, yeah? There's plenty of fables about that. Was a tortoise in the hair or whatever, and sprinting off and plodding, and the tortoise won. Yes, because it kept going in the same direction, the correct direction. So that's what um, we looked at last time. So, carrying on the series, 8.8. The principles of asking. God has the power and authority to even surpass what we ask for. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is working with us. You ask a person who can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power working in us. If we could get our heads around that, that would be amazing. But our hearts and our spirit need to get around that and say, actually, God, when I ask you... You can do immeasurably more than I can even ask you or imagine because he has the authority to do that. He has the power to do that. So we need to be confident that when we ask God for things, he's got the capacity and the resources to answer what we're, we're asking. You see, God, is, God loves giving that's his nature. We talked about John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son to sort out our issues so we can get back in a relationship with him. You know, he, he just loves giving. And we have, as you've been here in the last couple of weeks, we've got a big vision in, in this church which requires big resources. But do you know what? God's vision is even bigger than the one that we're setting. And we're looking or asking our ministry leaders to set their, their vision and their budgets for next year. And it's a bit scary, to be honest. And I haven't even had the budget meeting yet, but I saw them all coming through my computer. And I'm like, whoa, big vision. But you know what? That's nothing to what God's vision is for this church, for your life, for this area. He's just itching to give, to develop to have breakthroughs in people's lives. He gave his son, and if you think about it like this, if you give a huge thing that costs you everything, why wouldn't you want to maximize that sacrifice and cost to you? Never thought about it like that. 
well, we have to pray and ask God if he'll do this. No, because of Jesus, that's cost him everything. He wants every person on this earth and the, the kingdom he's set up to be maximized because he's already paid the price. He's just cashing in on what Jesus has already done. Don't you think he wants to make the maximum use of everything and reach every person and sort things out and show and display his glory and work in us by his Holy Spirit, which Jesus made possible? Do you think that? But we don't often have that in our minds when we ask him stuff. So he, he has the power and authority to surpass what we even ask for. Number nine, pray and do not give up. Luke 18, if you've got your Bibles. I've got several things. It's, we need one of those head things, you know, so I've got, got two hands. Right, there we go. Got it. Luke 18. Verse 1, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them that they should never give up. We shouldn't give up praying. This is the parable that Jesus told. And we're going to read it. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, this is Jesus talking, who was a godless man with great contempt for everyone. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, appealing for justice against someone who had harmed her. The judge ignored her for a while, but eventually she wore him out. I fear neither God nor man, he said to himself, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Now, Jesus is trying to teach us, what did he say he was trying to teach us in that first thing? That we should pray and not give up. He was talking about the widow, but how often do we read that parable and kind of think, well, yeah, I get the widow, but the person she was asking is the judge. That's supposed to be representing God because we pray to God. But let me tell you, it's got nothing to do with God's character and nature. He's not like the judge that is, what, what do they call him, godless. Well, of course he's not godless, he's God. That rules him out for a start. Um, who ignores her. He got contempt for everyone. That's not like our God. But do you know what? Some people read that parable, and Jesus is saying it's all about praying and not giving up and then some people kind of think oh well we pray to God so God's got to be this judge that I've got to kind of badger him to death to to get things out of him that's not God so if you've ever thought of that in this parable ditch that he's just saying he's just using this as an illustration about this lady who did not give up and really what you can say is if you don't give up and you can get something out of a twisted bitter horrible God less man like that how much more if you pray and you don't give up will God give you because he's our loving heavenly father that's what he's saying but careful you don't <clears throat> see him in the light of of that judge and I don't know about you as, as a well Matthew chapter 7 actually uh, verse 7 says keep on asking in fact we'll just look that one up because there's another little verse after that Matthew 7 7 Keep on asking and you'll be given what you ask for. Keep on looking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the door is open to everyone who 
knocks. Now, I don't know about you, if you've had, well, if, you, if you're a parent, you've definitely had children asking you for something, right? You go around the shop with them, or worse still, Christmas. Adverts on the telly, Argos catalogues, whatever. Now we've got the internet, so they can go on your iPad and your iPhone and find exactly what they want for Christmas, right? It's all out there. And so you're walking around the shops with them and they say, oh, oh, I like that, I definitely want that. And then something else, oh, I oh, I'd like that. And you're kind of taking note, kind of, you know, because relatives are going to ask what they want for Christmas. But do you know what? Do they really want that? <laughs> I've got a parent who's shaking her head. No, they don't. They see it. They're like, oh, that's nice. I want it. But they, do they really desire it? Do they really want it? Or, because I could go around the shop and say, oh, I'd like that, I'd like that, I'd like that. So the difference between that and then deciding to put my hard-earned cash into buying it, kids don't have that. They just think, oh, you're the, you're the great giving machine. You are parents, and it's Christmas coming, so I can have all I want. And, you know, it, maybe it's not even Christmas or throughout the year. You know, you kind of, they want this and they want that. But they don't really, you know they don't really want it unless, Mandy, you were shaking your head. They don't really want it unless they keep Sorry. asking for it. They keep asking for it. So if they kind of have a whim, oh, I like that, I'll see that and tell you, I want one of those, definitely want one of those. My friend's got one of those, you know. Um, and then that's it. they don't mention it again. You kind of think, well, you don't really want it, do you? You know? But if they came every time, oh, they're going on about it. Oh, oh, this, oh there it is on the telly again. They won't shut up about it. You pray with them at night and they're praying about it. You know, <laughs> give me this, God, like that. Talk to everyone about it. There's looking on the internet for it. This is the cut price due here, if they're old enough. You kind of get the idea they might want it. And as a parent, you would be a very poor person if you gave them everything they said they wanted the first time they asked for it. I mean, there are very mean parents that make them wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and take pleasure in that. But what all I'm saying is, sometimes you can measure how much a person desires rather than wants something by how much time they ask or they are prepared to invest in looking into it and whatever. And I'm just saying... Maybe God wants us to ask and ask and ask. Because if you give up the first time of asking, how much do we really want it? Or is it kind of like, oh, well, if you do, God, you do. If you don't, you don't. Don't bother me. Well, <laughs> that's not what Jesus is saying. It's ask and you keep on asking. So it's all about desire. And another quote I've I, I come across this last week is, God doesn't always explain himself when we get unanswered prayer. He doesn't always explain himself. However, he always reveals himself. Because Emmanuel means God is with us. So if you're having a conversation with God and you're asking and you keep asking, then God will reveal himself to you if he gives it to you or he gives it you more than you asked for, because what we've said, he can do that, or he says no, or he gives you something different. Right? So we always must, it doesn't always explain it, but he can reveal himself, because he can kind of say, well, you know, I love you, you've got to trust me on this. 
you know, this is not the right time, you've got to trust me on this. He will reveal his heart towards you. He's not a person that says, the computer says, no. And the computer still says, no. And I'm enjoying the computer saying, no. He's not like that. He may not choose to explain why he's saying no, but he, in your conversation with him, will always reveal his heart as to why he's had to say, no, that isn't good or whatever. So, that's point nine. Pray and do not give up. Point ten, pray with others. Matthew chapter 18 and 19. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will, will do it for you, for where two or three gather together, because they're mine, I am going to be among them. I think it's good to buddy up with someone to pray sometimes. You know, you're praying yourself and you're talking to God and having conversations with God. But Scripture's saying here, sometimes get alongside someone else and pray with them. Talk to God about the stuff that you're asking for and pray with them. You can do that with your life group. Our life group is... Um, we kind of catch up on what's happened on, on the week for people, what God's answer to prayer and stuff that we prayed about before. And then we always spend time praying for each other because we love each other and we want things to be changed in a person's life. But it's good to join someone and back them up and say, yeah, we're going to get with you on that. We're going to pray about this. It, it, it concerns you, but it concerns us. We are going to pray together. That's really good. But you know what? We're in a modern technology age. You need to be creative about teaming up with people to pray. Why don't you text someone and say, could you pray with me on this, please? You know, I've got an interview tomorrow. I've got this terrible meeting tomorrow or whatever. I've got this, I've got this challenge. Text someone and say, could you join me in praying today? Believe with me for this. Stand with me on that. Email them. FaceTime them. Have you ever prayed over a FaceTime or a Skype? Has anyone ever done that? Oh, come on, guys. Use technology. You know, ring some Orton up and, and pray for him and say, I've been thinking about you today. What's the, what's the problem? Yeah, I've got an issue. Right, we're going to pray right now on the phone. I've done that to people, actually on the phone or FaceTime, and take them a bit by surprise, really. Well, you mean what now? Well, yeah, right now. Why not? Let's pray. And uh, it's kind of whether you close your eyes or not with the phone, I don't know anyway, but it doesn't matter. You just, you just pray with them. We need to be creative um, in using that um, opportunity to pray with other people. And... Um, it's really important that Jesus says where two or three gather together. I think it's also a good thing because if you ask someone to pray with you that's something that's way off, right, then that person, if they don't agree with what you're asking, if they've got any courage and truthfulness about them, they'll say, hang on a minute, I can't pray for that. I don't believe that's according to God's will. I don't believe it's scriptural. I don't think it's what God wants for you. Do you think you ought to just spend a bit of time talking to God about why you're asking for this thing? So that's also a good kind of um, check that if you're asking somebody to pray with you, um, they'll only pray with you if they agree with it, it's going to be good for you. Which brings me on to my 11th point. God gives you good things in response to your request. Matthew seven again says you parents if you ask a child for a loaf of bread do you give them a stone instead 
Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? Whatever God gives us is good for us. And he does really know the best. Some of you know this story. But when I was getting married in, goodness me, 1980. Who wasn't even born in 19... Put your hand down. No, no, no. I don't want to... No, that's really upset me now. I should never have asked that. I was looking over there at Roberto. I think he's just, he's just going to put his hand up. That's only the person that's going to be hand up. That's terrible. That shocked me. Right, anyway, back, back in the olden days when we were getting married, obviously I had to move from Nottingham in my lovely teaching job where I was at. Beautiful school. And uh, moved down here. And um, so I had to apply for a job. So I found a cracking job in Croydon High School for girls. Yes! Uh, I was a PE teacher. They were looking for someone uh, in their PE department. So I went off for interview, uh, knowing that my reference would be, not being big-headed, but be, it would be glowing, because I was just, yeah, I was on a great time at that school, establishing their PE department. Anyway, so I get there, and I'm sitting in this room of about four or five other uh, women, and I quickly s s ascertained that they were all still finishing college. They were in their last year of PE college. So I'm like, ha. Ha. I've passed my probationary year as a teacher. I don't know whether they still do that, but I, I've done it. I've done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I'm thinking, I've got two years' experience under my belt. They've got me uh, kind of marked for head of department of another school and whatever. Yeah, I'm going to walk this. God, this is good. And Croydon High School for Girls loves sport. Yeah, fantastic. It's going to be great. Didn't get the job. I'm like, whoa. They did ask me a naughty question, actually, which you, I've, now I'd take them to the cleaners, but they asked me because I was getting married, do I plan to start a family? Ooh. But that was back in 1979 or whatever. Anyway, near around there. So we'll let them off for then, but still a bit naughty. Anyway, I'm like, I didn't get the job. God, what are you doing? That job was just tailor-made for me. But there was all those girls, they haven't got any experience yet. Come on. Croydon High School for Girls loves sports. It's not a case of I have to fight to get the kids out of lessons to do practice and whatever. Come on, what are you doing? No answer. So I had to find another job. I was getting married, for goodness sake. He wasn't earning anything. I've got to do this. So, so, <laughs> some things don't change. Um, anyway. No, he was doing what God was calling him to do. He was working for a church and working on a building site to pay for him to work for a church. Yes, that's what... It's always we in our lives on that, aren't we? Doing, doing stuff for God. Right, anyway, so where was I? So, uh, yeah, so I've got to get a job. I'm like, oh. So what I'm going to say now on the tape, okay, things have changed in this school. I'd just like to put on record that when I applied for Cheam High School to be their PE teacher, yes, um, it was not the school it is today. Like, the PE department in my day, because I got that job, put in for bulletproof tracksuits as a joke. Because I was on duty, oh, no, a lady was on duty once and saw this fire at the end of a corridor, stone corridor, you know, those old-fashioned schools with this marble kind of thing. And this fire on the floor, a small one, and suddenly, 
pastor like this. Some kid had put a bullet on a piece of paper, and this bullet had shot past his teacher. Thankfully, it didn't get her. That was the kind of school I was coming into. I had a bit of culture shock when I got to Cheam High School in those days, but it's changed now, okay? And I'm like, okay, right, I've got this job, right, I'm fine. Anyway, I was walking around, my, um, around the corner of my house one uh, Saturday, I think it was Saturday afternoon, just go around the shops in uh, South Croydon where we lived. And I kind of walked past this lady, and we looked at each other and we thought, is that moment when you, you know that you know them? And your brain is going through all the filing system in your head. Is it church? Is it school? Is it hockey? Is it... Oh. So we kind of stopped and went... And it worked out. We were on the interview together. She got the job. <laughs> I'm going to smile. How did you get the job? So I said, how's it going? She says, oh. I am worn out. I have practices before school. I have practices at midday. I have practices after school. I take them on matches. I take them away for tournaments. I'm, and she did look worn out, and she was younger than I. I went, oh, right, okay, well, all the best for that. I mean, yeah, yeah, goodbye. So, uh, sorry, to, sorry to hear that. I hope, I hope things works. And carried on walking to the shop. And when she'd gone around the corner, I'm like, yes! Because I was not only moving here, I was marrying into ministry. We were running a youth group and life group and whatever. I could not have sustained my ministry input with a job like that. So I got a few paces up away from her and actually didn't go, yes. I was later. And I, uh, first thing I did, I put my head down and I went, God, I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. Why would I question a God who is faithful and just and has promised to lead me down the best pathway for my life and then question his decisions? <clears throat> so I gave myself a good slap around the face and said, I won't ever do that again because you're playing the long game, God. I was looking at the instant game. I told him the traffic was going in the right direction in the morning. I told him everything I wanted this job. And he goes, no. And then, of course... As the years rolled on, I also realized another reason why I should have been in Cheam High School. Because we moved from Croydon to Sutton to minister, and lo and behold, I was bumping into ex-pupils and whatever, and teachers and things, and some people were coming to the church. I'm like, you do know best, don't you, God? So if you're in the middle of something now, and you're like, he said, no, this isn't working out, you know, give him some credit because he actually will do good things for you in response to your request. Um, don't do what I did and tell him he's made the wrong decision. He really does know best. Um, and sometimes when we talk to him and ask him for things, we miss the, the why. Um, and the, well, we, we, we focus on the why, but we miss the who is behind the answer. Do you know what I mean? So if he says no, don't focus on the no. Focus on the person behind the no who's doing it. You have to trust for the best reasons for your, for your life. Okay, I want to quickly whiz through these last one then. So last one, 12, is God prays on our behalf. Uh, Romans 8, verse 26. 
And the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress, for we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So when you don't know how to pray, the Bible says that God then, by the Holy Spirit, prays on our behalf. Have you ever been in a situation where someone's, I don't know, of a bereavement or massive distress and you just are in their presence and you think, I haven't got a clue what to say to you right now. You know the worst thing you could do? Say something. If you haven't got a clue what to say, don't say anything. Being in their presence, being with them, or putting your arm around them, or just giving them a hug, or putting your hand on their shoulder is probably all they need right now. That can communicate so much more. So if you don't know what to say, don't bother saying anything. But God is saying the Holy Spirit is exactly like that. If you're in a situation, I haven't got a clue how I should be praying about this. Well, it says the Holy Spirit will pray on your behalf. If you are baptised in the Holy Spirit and have been given that prayer language, speaking in tongues it's called in the Bible, that's the moment you should be praying in tongues. You know, quit what you're thinking and just do that because the Holy Spirit then can be voicing what you should be praying and asking God so God can give you the answer. And if you're not baptised in the Holy Spirit, well, God wants to baptise you in the Holy Spirit. But in the meantime, just get into God's presence and tell him how you feel. You know, cry, be angry, shout, um, celebrate, Laugh, whatever, whatever's the situation that you don't know how to pray about. Just express those feelings because the Holy Spirit can take those. If you're in anguish about someone and you think, I don't know how to pray for them, express your anguish. The Holy Spirit will take that, will turn it into a prayer, and it says he'll pray on our behalf, and God will do what is best for us. Yeah? Yeah. So if you're stuck, never say to me, well, I don't know what to pray, so I didn't pray. Rubbish. Just say to God, I haven't got a clue what I'm praying, but this is how I'm feeling right now. Have a good cry. You can handle that, you know. Or I'm really angry. Well, get angry. At least God knows what you're feeling. He can turn those around into praying by the Holy Spirit for a situation to be changed. So, they are, they are the, uh, the, the 12 point principles of asking. I'm sure there are more, but I only thought of 12. So, we are going to do some... Have you been doing some asking? You've been doing some talking to God? And asking, have you? Yeah? Great. Keep, keep, keep it up and um, use those 12 points because God is a God that likes to give and he likes us to ask and he likes to answer our prayers and he will answer them according to the best thing for our lives.